This episode of Homeschooling in Real Life is brought to you by Hedgewa, the Home Educating Family Association and the publishers of Deer Magazine. You can find them online at hedgewa.com. On this episode of Homeschooling in Real Life, we sit down with Justin and Lindsay Holcomb about their new book, God Made All of Me. This is a book they wrote to help parents teach children about how to protect their bodies. And face it, it's a tough topic. None of us want to navigate sexual abuse with our kids. But if they are victims, these children do not need parents who bury their head and avoid the topics. What that child needs is a parent secure in the gospel who can actually come alongside them and go forward. Instead of being crippled by shame and guilt, if you're crippled and remain crippled by shame and guilt, you're not going to be in a healthy place spiritually and emotionally to actually come alongside your child and bear that burden with them. And let's not get confused. It's not just the shame and guilt we feel for our kids. This is shame and guilt that we as parents have for ourselves. You know, really dealing with your own sense of guilt and shame so you can be in a better place to come alongside and and give your child who may have been abused the same type of sense of grace of God that you just experienced. So, dealing with shame and grace, this is a perfect place for the gospel to show up in this discussion. We hope you'll stick with us as we wade through a very difficult topic, one that homeschoolers just aren't having. This is Episode 70, Let's Talk About Sexual Abuse. Thanks for joining us. This is Homeschooling in Real Life. Welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. This is Fletch. And I'm Kendra. As veteran homeschooling parents, we discuss topics that tend to divide and distract Christian homeschoolers from each other and the gospel. On the Homeschooling IRL podcast, we promise to be honest, transparent, and witty as we uncover what it means to homeschool in real life. Hey, this is Fletch. And this is Kendra. We want to welcome you to episode 70 of the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Let's talk about sexual abuse. Man, this could be a heavy topic. It could get serious real quick. So... Before we get to the heavy stuff, why don't we have a little lighthearted fun? This is the episode where we really do need some fluff. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm loaded up with coffee. I'm okay. drinking from Caroline's Coffee. This I is have a drink. This is uh, Tanzanian. Is it Tanzanian? Did I get that right last time? Tanzanian? Tanzanian. <laughs> I think it's Tanzanian. <laughs> Tanzania is not a country. This <laughs> is Tanzanian Peaberry uh, is what I'm drinking. So thanks to uh, Trace Fike for a good roasted coffee. Um, you know, Kench, it is the start of the homeschool week, and I thought it was so funny. I come home from like work. Typically, Thursday is when I'm burnt out with dentistry. <laughs> right, exactly. But it's a Tuesday here in real time, and you told me you're like 
you're burnt out already as a homeschool mom. Are you kidding me? No, I didn't say that. I said, well, see, I took the 8 and the 11-year-old on a little mini field trip up to an apple orchard today. And um, I was just done with 8 and 11-year-old conversations by 10 a.m. Hey, mom. Mom. Hey, mom. Look this potato chip. Looks like Taylor Swift. What? <laughs> Since when are you eating a potato chip that looks like Taylor Swift? I wouldn't even know what that looks like. I don't know. This is what I'm telling you. I'm like trying to listen to NPR. (laughs) And this is what they're talking about in the back seat. Wow. So folks, it's a Tuesday. And we're already... And it's September. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but painting's year round, dude. Oh, man. So uh, we... That's where... That is homeschooling in real life. And you know the deal about this, um, Kench, is that... There are probably homeschooling moms. I know there are homeschooling moms that are listening to this right now going, Yes! Preach it, sister. Solidarity. This is the truth. Right, I know. Um, but, you know, as a homeschool dad, uh, I get that because um, that's that's what we're going to do now. We're going to give you a little adult Wait conversation. Wait a minute, did you just say you get that? How no, many I conversations did you have about Taylor Swift potato chips today while you were doing dentistry? Didn't come up once. <laughs> Although I did play Taylor Swift at my office, yes. but it didn't come up once. All right. Um, Shake so, it off. so we are going to have. You want serious conversation? You're going to get serious conversation. But before we get there, I wanted to share one quick story, and that's just this idea that our son is traveling around Europe. Our 17 year old son is traveling around Europe. No. And I, you know, it's crazy, but I had to write a text this morning to him that said, where in the world are you? And I literally meant where in the world are you? Because yeah. I have no idea where he was. And he's in some village in Italy right now. He wrote back and said, I'm getting ready to put pizza in a pizza oven. Can you give me some advice? He's like, yeah, I'll give you some advice, pal. <laughs> like, like middle of my dental day going, oh. you're in Italy. Yeah. But as a homeschool dad, I know we probably have listeners that are saying, "What you you sent your son to Europe and you know he's not 18." Let me tell you, there are some times in life when I've done something that didn't quite make all the sense, and this is one of them. I mean, mm. I am so excited for his time there. And you remember, Kendra, there was a time we had exchange students, and what did you say to me? <laughs> yeah, so that was back in our rigid. Legalistic, legalistic, fearful yeah. homeschooling decade. And I just remember always saying, oh, I could never imagine sending my 16-year-old, 17-year-old to live you know, in Europe for a month or whatever. Yeah, while we welcomed these girls into our house. Right, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. And they're just great, great kids from great families. And here we are. Two of them have done this this summer. It has been life-changing for yeah. them. A view of the world that is not centered in America. Yeah, and our first was a 15-year-old daughter and now mm-hmm. a 17-year-old son. Yeah. And I can't wait to get him home because I'm looking forward to what this life experience has done for him. You think he'll bring us some pizza? I hope so. So, you know, let's get on with this conversation um, with Justin and Lindsay. We've had enough fluff and um, tough topics, so let's hear from our friends over at Hedgewa, and uh, then we'll get started. Let's do it. You know, when Hedgewa approached us about sponsoring the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast, we told them it would be important for us to get examples of all of their products. And we've talked in the past about how much we love the content and the quality of Family Magazine. 
and then also how much we love using the Well Planned Day Planner and all of their planners, actually. They're just well laid out. They're very useful. We've talked about customer service behind the scenes. And, you know, none of this was as apparent as when our daughters picked up their first copy of Dear Magazine. Now, Dear Magazine is the magazine for teenage girls that Hedua publishes. And I had the opportunity to talk to Rebecca Kelleher, the owner of Hedua, about this magazine and the philosophy and how it started. But I also asked her about the content. And, you know, one of the things we loved was how they handle fashion. And we get this feedback all the time. You displayed girls that my girls can relate to. They are not toothpicks. They are regular American girls dressing modestly, yet very um, hip and and modern and and delightful. They're feminine looking yet and charming, but they are um, fashion trending. So it's actually Rebecca's daughter, Jenny, who is the editor of Dear Magazine. And to say that she has her hands all over this magazine is an understatement. And Rebecca shared a funny story with me to explain just how much her hands are involved in this magazine. Jenny always says, I have the most famous hand ever because she not only creates the projects, she takes the photographs and her husband helps her. And so you'll always see in any of the issues when you see do-it-yourself projects, you'll see her hand in almost every picture. You see what we mean? Every issue of Dear Magazine is a hands-on issue. You know, if you have daughters or if you know any young women, we cannot encourage you enough to go look at Dear Magazine. You know, the meaning is in the title. Dear Magazine hopes to show young women that they are dear in every sense of the word and in every area of their lives. You can find them online at mydearmag.com or if you want to go through our show notes, you can go right on over to Hedgewa. We can't encourage you enough to go check out this publication and check out all the other products that Hedgewa has to offer. They really do things well, and we are thankful that they are our sponsors. So go check them out, and when you're there, tell them that Fletch and Kendra at Homeschooling in Real Life sent you. All right, Kench, this is a serious topic, and I didn't even want to enter it with any you know, fun, lighthearted music, because I mm-hmm. think this is a little more serious. Um, I have some statistics for you before we get started. Uh, I did a little research uh, from Justin and Lindsay Holcomb on why they wrote their book, and some of the statistics that they shared was that one in five kids will be sexually abused. That's a big number. That is quite a big number. In the time that we've been parents, Kendra, we have heard a very familiar term that's lobbied around called stranger danger. Right. Well, statistically, 34% of abusers, sexual abusers, are going to be family members. 58% are going to be acquaintances. And statistically, only 7% are going to be strangers. So maybe instead of yelling stranger danger, Mm. we should be yelling family danger, you know, which isn't that crazy when you think about how fearful we are? It's crazy. And, and often just insidious. We don't, we don't see it. We don't want to see it. We don't see it. We don't recognize it. Yeah. And here's the thing, you know, statistics also show that doctors, uh, 
healthcare well, healthcare providers, teachers, uh, youth workers, they will not uh, alert authorities when they are concerned about abuse in a child. So as parents, homeschool parents, you need to listen to this. We need to get better at this. I mean, we've done a couple episodes on talking to your kids about sex. And the fact is, Kendra, uh, a lot of our listeners are just scared to death to have these conversations. They're scared to use big words. Yeah. They're scared to enter into tough conversations. And, you know, we need to be doing this. We need to be on the front line uh, and not just expect that the system around us will find these problems out and bring them to our attention. We need to be, you know, have a really good offensive strategy. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what we learned during this conversation, uh, at least what I learned. Fletch, Justin, and Lindsay are great at this topic, and that's why we interviewed them. So let's stop our talking and hear what they have to say. All right, here we go. All right, well, we're here with Justin and Lindsay Holcomb, and we have asked them to have a conversation with us about talking to our kids about protecting their bodies. They've written a new book, uh, geared toward children called God Made All of Me, a book to help children protect their bodies. And we are really actually looking forward to this conversation because we think it's an important one. So welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thank Thank you for allowing us to talk about this on the podcast and talk about a subject most people would like to avoid. Yes, definitely. We're, We're glad to be here. So thank you for the opportunity. Hey, can you start just by introducing uh, who you are and maybe tell us a little bit about your family and maybe where in the United States? One thing our listeners need to realize is we're having a triple conversation. So Kendra's at home, I'm at the office, and so where are the Holcombs? And and who are you? (laughs) Well, we're in Orlando, Florida, and I'm Justin and Lindsay. We've been married for eight plus-ish, nine? Almost 10 years. Almost 10 years, (laughs) I you know, we hit after one, it all kind of blends together into one big pile of goods. <laughs> and uh, we have two young daughters who are four and six. And I serve as a minister and also do some teaching in some seminaries locally. Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary and Reform Theological Seminary. And uh, Lindsay works at home and also does... Uh, so the, the girls are in a program at school where they have school two days a week is a hybrid, hybrid classical, and then they're at home for three days. And uh, so she, she works at home, but previously she also worked as a case manager for a domestic violence shelter in a sexual assault crisis center. So she's, she's to blame for teaching me all this stuff that we're about to talk about. <laughs> and just so you know, Lindsay only, uh, Lindsay will uh, only speaks when I give her permission. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm sorry about that because I just—it was so easy just to put everything all it's together. It's okay; it all blends <laughs> together. No, no. So, I, Lindsay, I is that the truth? Did everything he say the truth? Everything is the truth. Okay. Absolutely. Good. All right. <laughs> I vouch for it. <laughs> so, Lindsay has a, a background in counseling with sexual abuse victims. But what what made you wake up one day and say, "We really need to write this book for young kids"? Sure. We decided one day, um, well, just having young children, and we were starting to find a couple books that would talk about their bodies. And, you know, I just was starting to research, and there wasn't anything that talked about, you know, God made your body, and your body is a good and beautiful and strong 
thing that was created to be very good. We just didn't find any material like that. We found a couple little kids' books that we could read along the way, and then we were just having to add in our own language, and that was fine. And then I found as I was talking amongst my you know friends and just different women out in the community that had children in a similar age that they just did not even have this conversation at all. It was something that they weren't even, it wasn't even on their radar. And just kind of assuming, well, my kids are safe when they go to these places such as church or their preschool or, you know, with family or with our friends. But there just was no foundation being laid. And we didn't have anything to give to them of, you know, this would be a great resource because I was finding just a lot of information lacking in the books that we were reading. And so that kind of was the motivation of, gosh, if we could create something that would present the gospel or at least a launching pad where parents could work from, but also give really great sound information about how to use the language so that it's not awkward, so that you're not instilling fear in your children that they're going to think of everybody as a predator, but just really to prepare these children well and then have the parents feel equipped. I think that was the biggest thing is we wanted to equip parents so that they could start these conversations so that our children are protected, you know, as these children are being protected, but also just thinking it's just so important. Like we have a job, a duty to care for kids, even if they're not our own. And we were, what, what was happening was we were taking piecemeal uh, some of the kind of Christian books about God creating the world and not, not uh, non-Christian, not anti-Christian, but not not typically Christian books that were talking about the issue of private parts and appropriate and inappropriate touch. So what we did was we just took the best of everything, put it together. So our book, God Made All of Me, is a mix of really good, robust theology of creation. God made everything. He made, and it was good. He made humans, and it was very good, and he made all parts of your body. So it has a really good theological foundation, but also the, the real kicker is on top of that foundation, we have extremely practical things in the story. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a book for parents. It's a book for kids, for parents to read. And it has at least four or five major practical points that the parents can um, hone in on and focus on and go back to. So that was, that was uh, very important for us too. So uh, tell us a little bit, as is, is our listeners are trying to, they've already heard what this book is about, and they're, they're wondering how they're going to use it. How is this book laid out, or what's the, the model you used? Um, what are people going to get when they open it up? Well, it's a kid's book that is excellently illustrated. One of our friends, Trish Mahoney, is a designer, and she has two young children. So we gave her the story and said, will you create the book that you would want your kids to see? in addition to not only, you know, the words. And so it's very vibrant because we knew it's, it's a topic that can be um, embarrassing or, or a desire to ignore it. So we wanted to make sure that it had a liveliness to it. So it had it's an appealing book. So there's a family of four, a mom and dad, a, a little boy and a little girl. And it is them actually having a conversation. And so, for instance, when it talks about, you know, what did God make? And, you know, the answer is he made everything. Well, there's a bunch of creation. There's a picture of the world and animals and running water and mountains and trees. And then, you know, what else did he make? Well, he made us. And so there's, you know, different pictures of body parts, like a mouth and a nose and hair. And, and then when it starts talking about touching, what's appropriate touch and appropriate touch, um, it has a picture of children in their bathing suits. And so it makes it very easy. And it lists all the people that 
um, that we have a section there about think through people you can trust and perhaps you could talk to your teacher or a doctor or whomever else. So uh, that is laid out as a story of a family having this conversation. So there's a, there's a level of distance. So, you know, we're anticipating a family reading a story about this family having a, and you know, probably an evening conversation about exactly what the topic of the, the book is about appropriate inappropriate touch and the book does list we actually use the correct um, anatomical terms for private parts so we use in the book penis vagina bottom breast and we wanted to do that because we found that a lot of parents were shying away from those words and creating other terms or just using a blanket statement wait, 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 of wait, private wait. parts let's take a pause there because not only other terms, but they're really bad terms. Like really bad terms. There was the, the one. The, the no-no. The no-no. Like, Which is just it, confusing. Just don't call it anything, but don't call it a no-no. On so many levels. Or, it's or, or, no, or your, your lily or your cupcake or your, I mean, <laughs> just horrible names that you should not call anyone's private part, let alone your child. So here, oh. here's one for all your listeners. Don't call your children's private parts no-nos. <laughs> That'll make them weird. Well, so we we really, that was one of the things, the purpose of the book is parents are feeling very awkward about using these terms and how do we enter it into the conversation without just shocking our child or our child is now eight. We've never used this term before. So, you know, it's it's right there for you. You just have to read it. And once you read it, you get comfortable with it and you start kind of, you know, your child's not going to be shocked by the terminology anymore. But, you know, parents need to know that's in there. Nothing, nothing is graphic. It's a very gentle read for like a two to an eight-year-old. You can read it with a newborn. You just kind of start them as you go on. But it teaches parents how to have these conversations. And, you know, and then at the back, it has some brainstorming um, ideas for parents to think through. But that was the big thing of we wanted to equip parents. Because I know Justin and I growing up, you know, our, our families didn't really talk about you know, our bodies. And so there was shame around it as body starts changing. And then I think I got a video, but I know within the homeschool. Wait, wait, wait. My dad drew pictures when I was six. Well, your dad's an artist. He's so I had impressive. it made. He was, I thought, I thought this was awesome. Cause I was like, you know, he's talking about procreation. And all of a sudden, he starts drawing naked people. So, but I, think I had visuals. This you had book, some video when you were thirteen. That's true. This book is just actually even more important for the homeschooling community because if you go to public school in kindergarten all the way through fifth grade, they have people coming in that are giving these kind of body awareness, safety. You know, you need to be safe, strong, and free. On this is who. Well, they don't start that till middle school, but they really do prepare public school students on like who can you talk to if something's going on to help them identify, and they do bully prevention. I mean, they got a whole program, but then you get into private schools a little bit different homeschool. It's just the parent. And so to really give your kids a great foundation for safety, for awareness, have the conversation. So if something does come up, your child knows, gosh, mom and dad are talking about with this with me. I know that they're not going to be shocked if I mentioned that someone touched my vagina or someone showed me something or, you know, is trying to make me keep secrets. Like my mom's already having this conversation with me. So I know it's safe because other than that, who is talking to them? Um, and if you're not having these conversations with your kids, somebody else is going to have the conversation and it's not going to be what you want them to be hearing probably. So there's just even more of a urgency for those in the homeschooling community. And I say that because our kids are, you know, in that part hybrid homeschool world, like it is important. It's our duty to prepare them. And just so you guys know, um, you might be, you might be having a, you might get yourselves in trouble with this book. Um, 
for the podcast because it's been banned by some Christian bookstores. So uh, no, that's prop, that. Those are again proper those... name page that Lindsay talked about because of that, um, and, and because we heard quote. This is a tough conversation. This is a tough topic. We're not sure we want to carry a book about such a tough topic. And we noticed that it has some 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 inappropriate words in it. <laughs> well, I think if a book, if a Christian bookstore is going to worry about gluing pages together, those are the books we want to talk about. Um, and actually, as you guys were saying that, Kendra, I was thinking about our podcast because a lot of our listeners, uh, Justin, Lindsay, will tell us we love that you and Kendra have the conversation out loud. You know, we love that you're you're willing to. You know, we we talk about um, talk. We had an episode on teaching your kids about sex. You know, we we openly talk to our teenage boys uh, about masturbation openly. We use that word, and that word, like for some reason, freaks people out. And but we're we're willing to have it. We're willing to talk about um, marital intimacy out loud. And then our listeners go, "I'm so glad you said it," because I'm <laughs> driving in the car with my husband saying. Hey, what you, what'd you think about that last thing they just said? You know, because they're everybody's just so afraid, and I think it's based on shame. They're just afraid to have the conversation. So, um, let me ask you one question, then I'll unleash Kendra because I know she's chomping at the bit. Um, it sounds like you know a lot like when we talk about the Jesus Storybook Bible that this is something that's written for kids, but it's unlocking the door for a lot of adults to actually have real conversations. Is is that you know maybe the case that you guys are seeing? Totally. Yes, we, we've actually noticed that many of our friends who got copies early have been reading it with their children and and have noticed that, it, I mean, some of them have said, man, I've been doing it wrong the whole time, and kind of a, a sense of sadness, but they, they've been reading it and going through and going, oh, I, the proper the proper names for body parts, I haven't, um, I didn't do that, and I, I also noticed that, uh, you know, I, I just let the kids play doctor, and I thought it was cute, and I actually played doctor with them, and and then, you know, we, we use the word secret in our family a lot. So there's certain things like, you know, throughout the word secret. It, it's not a good, helpful word to have in a family. You can use surprises instead of secrets because a perpetrator will want to use the category of secret. Um, and turning a child's body into a plaything like playing doctor is exactly what a perpetrator is trying to do. So trying to make play, making your body a plaything for someone else um, is and so what we've noticed is you know parents have started reading this and realized oh okay that's great so they've they've actually learned plenty on very practical ways of helping their talk about sex and sexuality with their child who's some are you know some are two to eight and some are older and they're going back and 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 and, and being more intentional about some of the conversations they're having. And I think the other thing, too, for the parents reading is you're going to have a lot of people listening and looking at this book that were victimized as children. And so that's going to bring up a whole host of emotions of things that maybe have never been processed or thinking through. I was victimized as a child, and now I have this fear for my child or any emotion, shame, anger. And so, you know, I would encourage those um, readers, you know, to continue to find someone that's safe that you can process through and work towards healing, whether it's a counselor or um, an equipped pastor um, or even a friend. But we, we have an adult book, not trying to endorse our other book, but it's um, Rid of My Disgrace that adults can read who were victimized as children or as adolescents or even in their adult years that can really be helpful in kind of processing through a lot of those emotions. Because I know 
if you're reading this and you're, you had been victimized and you're like, gosh, no one ever read this to me. There just can be a lot of emotions churned up. And then, um, as well as if you're reading this and you're thinking, and there's the fact of my child has already been victimized, um, you know, what to do with all of those emotions, Justin can speak to, I'm sure. I would, well, just from my perspective, I would encourage the parent, you know, if you haven't already sought, sought out counseling and services for your child, there is a whole host of organizations out there. I encourage the Christian world to work with the nonprofits, even if they are secular, bridge that gap, work with them, find out the resources in your community. And then if you can in your community, find a Christian counselor. But the nonprofits in your community um, that are sexual assault crisis centers are a great resource for families to get um, counseling, to get services. If there ever is an instance where you need to have reporting done, to contact them and let them walk you through the process. Um, And then there might be a a person in your community that could be doing more one-on-one counseling with your child if that's something that's needed. So I think a lot of that can be churned up as you're reading for sure. Hey, Hurlers. I know we say this a lot, but we don't do this show alone. We are part of a network of Christian homeschool podcasters called the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Now, one of our favorite shows over at the network is by retired homeschool mom, the homeschool CPA, Carol Topp. She hosts the Dollars and Cents radio show, and she is getting ready for a big celebration, and she is offering some specials on her website that we wanted you to know about. Hi, Hurlers. This is Carol Topp, host of the Dollars and Cents show here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm celebrating my 50th episode of the podcast, and I am giving a discount on my Micro Business Routines books during the month of September 2015. You can get 25% off my books, starting a micro business, running a micro business. Head on over to microbusinessroutines.com to pick up some of your books. And then make sure you listen to my 50th episode over at dollarsandcentsshow.com where I share over 30 ideas of micro businesses you, your teenager, or an adult can start quickly and easily. I hope it's helpful and hope you get encouraged to start your own micro business. All right, hurlers, head on over to microbusinessforteens.com and then head on over to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and check out Carol's show. She always has great ideas, and we just want to celebrate with her as she hits her 50th episode. Welcome back. You are listening to Episode 70 of the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Let's talk about sexual abuse. Hey, let's get started again with our interview with Justin and Lindsay Holcomb, the authors of a new book called God Made All of Me, Teaching Your Children How to Protect Their Bodies. Let's get right back to the interview. I I do want to reiterate because I think so many homeschoolers are operating some way out of fear. Um, I mean, that's just the reality that we've seen in so many years in the homeschool movement, that the motivation to take kids home or to keep them home is often this, I'm not putting my child in that situation that I was in, or, you know, the public school system is so bad, or it opens up the door to all of these things that we don't want in our children's lives. And so therefore, we're going to just, you know, protect them in this little bubble, and everything will be great. (laughs) But we understand 
you know, as life goes on, that this is just completely unrealistic. We have something straight out of the news of the last couple of months in a prominent homeschooling family that the the abuse was in-house. And so, you know, this idea that we think we can protect them, it just it's got to be dumped. And we have to realize as homeschoolers that we've got to equip these kids just as we would if we were sending them into a situation that we didn't, you know, quite know what the parameters were. So, this is part of our discussion today and wanting to, to open the door and say, look, let's put this on the table. Let's call body parts what they are. Let's talk about these things to our kids because if we can't equip them, then they are just powerless in situations where um, we feel like we should have or could have protected them. And that just leads me to wondering, you know, I know there are parents who think, how did we, how did this happen? You know, we thought we had protected our kids and yet here a brother um, has abused them or an uncle or somebody that we trusted um, at a slumber party or, you know, whatever that is. So then what do you say to those parents who are now dealing with their own guilt and shame that they didn't do enough to equip their own kids? Well, going, great question. Let's go back to the first part about that bubble because, there's a myth that many parents live under that if you do get them out of the world or and away from all those schools and other activities and all that kind of thing, uh, that, that if you can create that bubble, the kids will be safe. And the, the sad thing about that myth is just the numbers about child sexual abuse indicate that 34% of offenders are family members of a child. 58% are acquaintances of the child or the child's family or circle. Only 7% are strangers. So that's extremely important to know that 93% are family members or friends of the family and, and getting rid of that myth. And so that feeds, that, that, that's just proof of exactly what you were talking about, about the, the, uh, the illusion that if we can create this bubble, we'll be safe. Now, going back to if something has happened, if something has happened, I mean, practically report suspected abuse, no matter how old it has, how long ago it has taken place. So report sub- suspected abuse immediately. Don't investigate. Don't ask probing questions. If you suspect something, report it. Having a, so that's practical. But um, there's, there's really a few different things. It kind of depends on how old the child is. If, if, they haven't had these conversations yet. You can always start now. If the child's an adult or a teenager or there's a certain age where, and, and maybe any age, but I think uh, it would be appropriate to apologize if and, and ask for their forgiveness. And, you know, I, I can imagine there's some people listening and their child's 16 and they something happened to their son or daughter and because they were negligent or they didn't think about doing it or they just didn't know they were they were ignorant of the significance of it well there's nothing wrong with going to that child and saying hey son or daughter you know i i know you're wrestling with some hard things because of what happened to you and i want to apologize cuz i feel like i should have done something more will you forgive me that's a really powerful thing i apologize i mean Lindsay and i apologize to our our 4 and 6 year old daughters whenever we sin against them or whenever we feel like we should apologize to them because we feel convicted of it. So one thing is apologizing to them, but the big thing is realizing that sometimes things we do are sinful and we repent of that. And some things we do are just because we're finite, because we don't know everything, because 
we we can't know everything, and we've we've made uh, poor decisions or bad decisions, not because we were trying to rebel against God and hate God or hate other people, but because we just didn't know. And that those are still our responsibility. And so the the joy of being Christians while talking about this is that uh, that anywhere that we have sinned or where we have fallen short in our responsibilities, there's always forgiveness and grace and more importantly, that that God can actually heal the wounds that a child has experienced, and and this is a parent's worst nightmare. I mean, I, I I couldn't. I mean, the amount of shame that a parent would feel that they were stupid parents or foolish, or they, I mean, what were they thinking? I mean, that's a horrible burden to live under. And that there's a big category for that of condemnation. Romans eight one says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, and and so all of the good news that we talk about for everyone else for you know where they have uh, erred that applies to us that 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 shame is not your burden to carry anymore and there's a way to go forward and you can only go forward practically with the foundation of the acceptance and belonging in the family of God and God's family, and that he's dealt with the guilt and shame at the cross, and that we are forgiven and restored, and all of that good news applied specifically to these uh, this particular weight that a parent would be feeling. And we always say, too, you know, that any act of abuse, any time, one time, five times, it's not the end of your story. And so I would echo that, that of just... You know, if your child was abused or if you were abused and you're the parent, that's not the end of your story. Like, God is redeeming all things and there is healing and there is hope and redemption in that. And so you can still take the information in this book and the resources the resources we provide and you can lead your child down a path of healing and of hope, a hopeful future, a whole future, a healthy future. Um, but you know, continuing to echo those things to them. This is not the end of the story. And I believe you. I am so proud of you for telling me you did nothing wrong. Like, what? let's think of our options. What do you need right now? Whether it's a, an 18-year-old child or an 8-year-old child, you know, just continuing to check in with them. And like Justin said, apologizing when appropriate. Um, and then and, just kind of working from there. And what, what that child needs is a parent secure and the gospel, who can actually come alongside them and go forward. Instead of being crippled by shame and guilt, if you're crippled and remain crippled by shame and guilt, you're not going to be in a healthy place spiritually and emotionally to actually come alongside your child and bear that burden with them. So, I mean, it's, it's one of the things is, you know, really dealing with your own sense of guilt and shame so you can be in a better place to come alongside and and give your child who may have been abused the same type of sense of grace of God that you just experienced. So a little bit of our background has been that we have been in churches, and what we see with homeschoolers is a lot of homeschoolers like to respond with damage control. So if you have an older teenage son or daughter that gets pregnant, it's damage control because um, as a lot of people are struggling with the, their identity in the gospel, like their hope, their worth, their significance, their value, it comes in what they've produced in offspring. 
So we see these large Christian homeschooling families that say, look, we've, we've delivered these perfect kids. Um, and so when one of them comes out tarnished due to anything, you know, they just got off track and they're the one that went down to the local, you know, tattoo parlor or whatever it is that they think <laughs> has sent their kids off the rails. Um, that we see a lot of damage control. And so, Lindsay, you said something earlier that I think a lot of homeschool families might react to because we've hung out with them, and I regularly use the term homeschool whack jobs. Like, they're so, they're so focused on this damage control perfect environment that they would never go to what the county offers as far as counseling. Mm. How are we doing as a church? Can we not see that God has given us gifts in uh, civil counseling and good resources? And can we just encourage our our listeners in that way? Like, hey, this is something that God's done for us as a gift. That's called common grace. And and common grace is found in the church. And because God is so good, it's all over his creation, not only in the church. And there are many people who don't profess faith in Christ who have very helpful, important things for us to hear, especially about child sexual abuse prevention and how to respond to child sexual abuse. Now, when it gets down to the uh, the nitty-gritty of the grace of God and being in God's family, well, yeah, that's the parent's job and the church's job, but there's so much goodness that they can do, and that's where, that's where discernment kicks in. Parents need to discern, not just create the bubble, but actually help the child interpret the world around them, and and, and that, I mean, Lindsay worked at this center, at this crisis center, and now, now there happened to be two Christians who were working there, but uh, the things that they did was they cared for victims, adults, and children. You don't need to be a Christian to care for victims like that and protect them. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's, there's no other place, there's no Christian equivalent of these nonprofits in your community. So it's not like Christians are out doing the same thing that you would have another resource to go to. And just as Christians are cautious of these secular nonprofits, the same as these nonprofits are cautious of Christians. They're extremely cautious of pastors. What kind of message are pastors sending to their flock and to... How are they being victim-blaming and shaming? The shame and just allowing predators to exist in volunteer positions. So both sides are kind of already thinking these things about each other. And I'm like, if somebody would just build a bridge in your community so you guys can start well, talking to is, each other. The thing is, is that the, those, the, the secular nonprofits, or the not Christian, non-Christian nonprofits, they're actually true. One of the worst places for this is the church and Christian environments because, because they want warm bodies to volunteer. They're the ones that have the worst policies and procedures. They usually don't have any and they, they assume the best of people, and it's, which is amazing because if you actually read the Bible and what the Bible says about the human condition, you wouldn't just assume the best about anyone. It's, it's a contradiction. But, but we've seen churches that will basically just have no policies and procedures, no best practices, and you're supposed to hand your kid over to some person, some 17-year-old boy to go around changing their diapers or something. It's mind-boggling. And that's why there's a group that... I serve on the board with is called Grace, Godly Response to Abuse in Christian Environments. And I've been on the board for a few years now. And what we do is we help Christian organizations, churches, missionary organizations, parachurches to, uh, one, 
build policies and procedures for their group, and then two, recognize child sexual abuse, and then three, how to respond to it with transparency, not not cover over, not do damage control, because when something happens, what needs to be done is transparency, because silence will only fester and destroy that child who's been abused. And I would also tell parents, if something happens and you call your local sexual assault crisis center, they're not going to blame you on the phone. They're not going to get angry with you. They're not going to ask, are you a Christian? Which church do you go to? They're not going to ask any of those questions. Their question do you believe is, Jesus rose from the dead? Because if so, I'm not going to be able to help you. Their question is going to be, what do you need? Let me tell you what we can offer. What do you need? Let's Let's walk through this with you. Let's come down alongside you, and we're going to walk along this path for however long you want. Like these folks are in it because their hearts care about, um, you know, these children. They care about what happens. They care about prevention and intervention and rehabilitation. And so I would just say, you know, fight for your children, like by reading this book with them, by talking about private parts, by, you know, just having that open conversation, be that, you know, advocate for your child and if something happens be that advocate that says we're going to go out and find every possible resource that can that can be helpful as we walk through this together or I'm going to at least research it so be the advocate um that's what I would encourage parents to to take on Justin and Lindsay thank you so much for being with us um on this episode we really appreciate your uh candid approach to this topic and um, let us know how our listeners can reach you we can reach reach us on twitter at justin holcomb and at lindsey holcomb and we also have a web page for the book it's called godmadeallofme.com where all of the information and stats and samples for the book are available so godmadeallofme.com and for other, we do, we both write on uh, a few blog posts on like nine things to do to prepare, or to, pro- to uh, protect your child from sexual assault or five ways to talk about sexual development or Jesus' theology of children. We have a few blog posts uh, along with some other just theology stuff at Justin Holcomb, H-O-L-C-O-M-B as in boy, dot com, justinholcomb.com. Well, we want to thank you both for being on the show. Uh, perfect fit for homeschooling in real life and the willingness to have honest conversations. Thanks for joining us. Our pleasure. Thanks for Thank having us. Thank you so much. All right. So do you think we've uh, talked through the topic of sexual abuse? I don't think so. I think no. we have a long way to go. No, and I really feel we just scratched the surface with them. But I think that's what we needed to do here. I think for our listeners, for homeschooling and real-life listeners, hurlers, we needed to just get this to the table. Yeah. I'm thinking we might have some listeners that are adult victims of sexual abuse, you know, when they were kids. Oh, sure. And I have a feeling we might have just stirred up a hornet's nest Mm. on this topic. Or we were the ones that, again, just had the conversation out loud and we freed someone to be able to say, thank you, this is me. And we would really hope that that is the case, that this would bring you some sort of freedom or the feeling that you can tackle this topic with your kids because it's just so important. We can't leave this one alone. Right. And I, you know, normally we would say, Hey, take this to Facebook, you know, tweet us. This can be a real intense personal one. So if you want to, you know, write to us individually, we're not experts. You know, we're going to point you probably to counseling or Mm -hmm. point you to people that can help you. Right. But if you've been through that and you want someone to dialogue uh, through that with you, We'd be happy to talk about it. We'd be happy 
to take this into another episode with maybe success stories or you know anything like that any, any way that we can take this conversation so that we're not just skimming over and bearing of course if you want to reach out to us by email Kendra our email address is info at homeschoolingirl.com which is our website homeschoolingirl.com if, if you want to talk to us on Facebook you can reach us at facebook.com slash homeschoolingirl we're on there almost every single day starting up some conversation Kendra does a great job running our Facebook page and if you want to tweet to us we love tweeting short quick 140 characters at homeschool IRL hey Fletch hey Kench thanks for the adult conversation hey you finally got some huh is that what you were looking for are you prepared for tomorrow to be in the car with the kids uh, no hey Kench yeah hey Kench yeah hey Kench <laughs> yeah I'm prepared I'm yeah, prepared see, okay great good Hey, thanks for sticking with us on this episode uh, for such a tough topic. We look forward to coming back to you next week. This is Justin Holcomb, one of the co-authors of God Made All of Me. You've been listening to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Everything on this show was written and produced by Andy and Kendra Fletcher. You can find out more about this show at homeschoolingirl.com or by searching for them on iTunes. The Homeschooling IRL podcast is a part of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Every show is written and produced by Andy and Kendra Fletcher. For more information on this podcast or to contact your hosts, please visit us on our website and blog at homeschoolingirl.com.